Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome once again to My Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my time capsule, if you've not come across it before, is the podcast where people tell me the five things from their life that they wish they had in a time capsule. They pick four things that they cherish, and one thing that they'd like to bury and forget. Now, my guest in this episode is the very funny stand-up comedian, Finley Christie, who at 19 became the youngest ever winner of the prestigious So You Think You're Funny competition, following in the footsteps of Peter Kay, Lee Mack and Sarah Millican. Three years later, his debut Edinburgh show, OK Zuma, was nominated for Next Up's Best Show Award, and Chortle described him as the voice of his generation. His YouTube channel, featuring sketches and stand-up clips, has over 300,000 subscribers and 120 million views. He's produced multiple online series, including When They Go to a Foreign Country in a Hollywood Film and Asking Black and White People the Same Question about... He's appeared on 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown, The Stand-Up Sketch Show, The BBC New Comedy Awards, Get Off My Phone on Dave, and Jokes Only an AI Can Tell on Channel 4. He's performed at the Montreal Just for Laughs Festival and across Europe for the Comedy Store. His first script, Born to Rule, was optioned by Shane Allen of Buffalo Pictures, and the pilot starred Miles Jupp. Finally, Finley, that's a rather good phrase, isn't it? Finley finally has appeared as an actor in The Bleak Old Shop of Stuff on BBC Two with Stephen Fry and David Mitchell, The Go Betweenies on Radio 4 with David Tennant, and Way Below on CBeebies. He's also fluent in French and performed French stand up in Lyon for six months. But then Finley is only at the very beginning of a career that I predict will. Well, you'll hear what I predict very soon as we listen to the five things Finley Christie would like in his time capsule. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> now, look, Finley, when you sit 
basically looking at a Zoom screen for 20 minutes. And the thing you're looking at is yourself. And you're my age. It can send you into a deep depression, I tell you. But don't worry about it. After, After we've done this, I'm going and getting on a train and I'm going to the seaside. I'm going to go down to St. Leonard's and I'm meeting two old friends and we're going to have lunch and get pissed. Lovely. Lovely. I'm excited for you. So um, I've been watching your stuff. You are going places. Oh, that's that's really, really lovely of you to say. Thank you so much. I think so. I mean, if I, I would be very excited if I were, which I, I suppose I could be considering my age, I could be a sort of a producer who owned a big production company or something. I would be talking to you and saying, what should we do? Thank you. Well, yeah, I, 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 I appreciate that. I feel, I feel very, um, yeah, very, very lucky to be uh, in the position that I am at the moment, and I'm waiting for it all to go terribly wrong. <laughs> well, the thing is, you're sort of controlling it yourself, aren't you? I mean, that's the wonderful thing about the world of comedy now. Is you, you can just do it. I mean, you've got figures on YouTube that most people on television would be jealous of. Yeah, well, I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm a control freak. So I think, <laughs> I think I would have always found a way for, for that to be the case. The whole prospect of TV being edited by someone else and yeah. and and every aspect is controlled by someone else scares the crap out of me. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy that I get to, I get to control everything. Um, otherwise, <laughs> I'd go nuts. Yeah, but that's a good sign. All the people I've ever worked with who are like that end up basically running things. Ah, so don't worry about it. Yeah, that's me, real gangster, running things <laughs> in the content game. See, but brilliant ideas as well. I think the little videos asking black and white people the same question it just is such a brilliant idea and is really funny, but also important you know strangely you look at it and you go wow if anybody said to me do you know about the black community of course i do yeah i've got lots of black friends i've mixed with black people all the time yeah absolutely i know all about it and then you look at it and go i know nothing about it Mm -hmm. it's uh, yeah i I, that all started from conversations that me and mamoon the other person i do it with Mm. would have where we realized that there's just so yeah that we that we that we sort of have different we just disagree on so many things like like <laughs> and we're both quite stubborn people so we'd end up kind of uh like arguing about the right way to do a party or the right way to uh, we, we you know we talk about the you know the, the differences in dating and all of these things and yeah yeah it's it's so i i love i my my favorite thing about those videos is the sharp contrast between we cut straight from one person to another and um and people think some people in the comments think I'm doing it to like embarrass one group or the other, but we I've, I've bumped into the people we've interviewed afterwards, and they've been like, they've been like, no, it's it's we've got to laugh at these at these differences. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting reading those comments, isn't it? Because you there's people who just completely misinterpret it. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the time when it comes to race, there's conversations that especially black people don't want to have over and over again. Mm. So there's certain things that it would be nice if they were just in the wider consciousness. So yeah, it's uh, th- I mean that's a kind of side effect of the series. It's I mean we it's also entertaining, but it, it would be nice if also you know we got across some valuable insights into into cultural differences that we can enjoy and 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 yeah and respect. Yeah, quite. And the fact that it comes from that conversation between you and Mamoon that argues for it, I think. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. Okay, right, Findy, we're going to talk about, I set you this task, five things from your life you'd like to have in a time capsule. Yes. How's it been going? Any ideas? 
Yes, I've got my I've got my answers. I think brilliant. One of them is something that I don't want. Okay, yeah, one is what so four things you love and one thing you don't want. So we yeah. could do the long or the short one. The short one is you basically tell me and I say thank you very much and then we go. The long one is we talk about it, each one in yeah. turn. So <laughs> I think that'd be more fun. Let's do that. <laughs> okay. So what's your first thing? Uh, my first thing, mm. and uh, I hope everyone doesn't choose this, but my first thing is is Beijing. Oh, everybody chooses that. Yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> so Beijing was the first place I went without my family um, on holiday. And it was because a friend of mine had, um, he'd won an, uh, basically like an art grant to go and study, do a project, an art project mm. in, in China about contemporary Chinese art. And he brought me along. It was so different to any other uh, trip I'd taken before. Mm. And I f- I, I got there and I think some people when they travel have this feeling where they'll go to a place and they'll just feel like, oh, I've, I've, I've arrived kind of thing. Like I'm, I'm sort of, I'm home. This feels in some way like I connect with this, this culture and these people. Yeah. So I just felt like that as soon as I got there, I loved, I loved the city. I felt so far away. I was going through a bit of a, I was, I was 16 at the time and I, and I was going through a bit of a weird sort of teenager time and I felt like I was so far away from anything that was frustrating me or making me feel weird and insecure in my life so mm. I just felt I just I just felt like this new like powerful person and then I I immediately said okay well this this whole experience has been so strange I have so many weird and wonderful stories from China that I decided I'm going to figure out in fact, my, my whole new Edinburgh show is about this. It's about me coming from a quite, maybe quite a sheltered background mm. and then wanting to experience culture in lots of different ways. So when I went to Beijing, I was like, I'm going to learn the language. That's what I'm going to study at uni. And then I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'm going to try and I'm going to try. I'm going to do this again in a few years, mm. but I'm going to understand it better. So yeah, that's that's what I decided to do, and and I studied. Well, I originally applied for politics, then I reapplied for Chinese, and for uh, the degree was called language and culture. So I studied Chinese and French, and then lots of uh, sort of cultural modules. And you speak fluent French, don't you? you? I do. My Chinese is terrible, but fluent French, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because at that age, I mean, if you say to most people, "What was the first trip you went away without your parents?" And they say, "Well, we went for a day to Calais." Yeah. But you'd go to Beijing at sixteen. Is, uh, is fairly extraordinary. And yet, being 16, there are enormous pressures on a 16-year-old. Yeah. Because actually, suddenly, those are the times when you're told these are de- the decisions that will affect the rest of your life. Yeah. And you have to make them now. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you fuck it up, you fuck up the rest of your life. It's not true. Mm. But in fact, that's how it feels at 16, isn't it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And um, I had no idea what I was doing at 16. I didn't, yeah, I didn't have any idea who I was, really, so... Yeah, you're completely right. It felt like an it felt like an escape. How long were you there? I was there for uh, how long was I in Beijing? We weren't there for long. I think it was ten days. We were supposed to be looking at art galleries. We didn't go to a single gallery. <laughs> um, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, you give a 16 year old a bursary where he has yeah. the opportunity to take a mate with him. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not going to work, well, is it? <laughs> he wasn't supposed to bring me, but he did. Yeah, he split he split <laughs> the money with me. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. If we get a cheaper flight, you can come as well. Yes. Yeah. One of the weird things about Beijing is because there's not much 
I don't think they necessarily advertise tourism in that big of a way. So when we think of Beijing as a place to visit, it's not really... Yeah, there's not much that comes to mind, especially back when I went. I remember it was such a mystery to me. There was still smog everywhere. So when you get there, it's just, it's almost like a metaphor for how confusing and and unknown this place is. You can't even see a foot in front of you. (laughs) And it was, we were discovering, we went without having researched it at all. And uh, every corner, there's something weird happening. Just something so strange that's not, like someone selling scorpions or whatever on on one Yeah, snakes. Yeah, exactly. That's what I think of, just a basket of snakes. And you think, okay. Exactly. But then, like, also the adult world of China that was weird to me even as a 16-year-old anyway, like, we we went to – that was the first time I went to a nightclub was in Beijing. They don't don't ID you in China, (laughs) especially if you're a foreigner, because they see it as good PR Mm. for their nightclub if if there's, like, a foreigner in their club. So I remember we went to this place. Some French guys took us with them there – it was the it's the biggest nightclub I think in in Beijing, and it was huge because the Chinese government fund electronic dance music because they think other forms of music that have lyrics and and so on are uh, mm-hmm. subversive. Yeah. So there are these huge super clubs in China, and and every time I've been back to China since to go to this place, I've been kicked out for a different reason. <laughs> but the first time I went. It was, I I was up on the dance floor and I had my I had my second ever kiss with this uh, with this woman. I didn't even see her face. She sort of, sort of pushed me up against the wall, and I was just happy to be there. Yeah. Um, and then I got punched in the side of the head by this guy, and they started chasing me <laughs> around the bar. And um, eventually, this sort of bouncer guy picked me up, and and I was thanking him for saving me. And then he started saying, he started saying, "Fuck your mother." And, uh, <laughs> and and he threw me out of the club, and nice. uh, and I was I, I was so excited. I was like, "This is the most important thing that's ever happened to me at the time." <laughs> Everybody of a certain age is listening to this and going, "Well, I'm not going to Beijing." And all sixteen year olds are going, "I've got to go. I must go exactly, there now." Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's how I felt. You never forget being sixteen, though. You never forget those sort of uh, that first experience of seeing that the world is something else is not what you know. In a way, what we're talking about with those videos, that realising that there are many other ways of looking at the world and the ones that you've been told are not necessarily the dominant ones or true even. Mm, yeah. I, you know, so I think it's a, it's a fantastic thing to do to go to those places. I mean, I'm not surprised that Beijing doesn't particularly push itself as a, a tourist industry place. You'd have to get an enormous number of people to go there for it to even affect the place. It's so huge, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a very good point. It's 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 massive, and I think I think that was part of its appeal. I've 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 grown up in London my whole life, and and I think I'm just used to. It. I just need a big city to feel like I'm part of something that's that's happening. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay. Well, let's put that in as the first thing then, Vinley. Fantastic. Yeah, I can see you, sixteen year old, being chased around the dance floor. Yeah, <laughs> enormous grin on your face. I felt, <laughs> I've yeah. just been kissed. Exactly, I've been kissed for the second time. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so what's the second thing? Second thing is uh, the film uh, Groundhog Day. Ah. I yeah. love that film. Yeah, I, lo- I, I just... Um, oh, I think we could talk about this for hours. Yeah, I really could. Mm. I, I I absolutely love 
that film, I think it's it's great for a time capsule because I think it 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 speaks to something that will always be relevant. Mm. Um, I saw the musical as well. Have you seen, have you seen the musical? Uh, I didn't know. I did that mistake of thinking when it goes to Broadway and then it goes to London. So when it transfers from the it was the old Vic, wasn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. And then I thought, well, when it goes into London, I'll see it then. Because I knew the producer. Yeah. Uh, his daughter is one of the people on No Such Thing as a Fish. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a brilliant man. When they said they were doing it, I thought, absolutely, this can't fail. What a brilliant idea. Mm. It's the most perfect film, isn't it? Oh, it's just... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I can I can watch it. Ironically, I can watch it again and again and again. <laughs> I I just think, uh, it, it like yeah yeah. It, it it'll always be relevant. It speaks to to something that everyone is everyone's experienced that feeling of like being stuck yeah. somewhere do, doing something, and then you've got to find your own way to kind of tr- mm. to transcend that. And uh, I just think oh, I think Bill Murray's so so excellent in it. I think the way that he uh, he he doesn't even. Try the, the character's not forced on you to be someone that is likable. No, in fact, he's completely unlikable, almost yeah. deliberately. Yeah. And then you see the redemption of this character. Yes. But he doesn't really change him. He doesn't become that sort of Disney nice. He just becomes somebody who realises that if I'm reasonable with people, then life is better. Yes. And that's why, I think that's why it works. It's, it's one of those films that doesn't force you to... It's not overly mm-hmm. sentimental... And it's it's still it's a it's it's a comedy that manages to be touching, but the 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 love story doesn't force itself on you because the whole time you're watching it, thinking these people shouldn't be together. This is <laughs> awful. The fact that you've tried for hundreds of years yeah. potentially to try and be with this woman and she still doesn't like you suggests maybe you're not that compatible. <laughs> but then the love story it sneaks up on you, mm. and I love films where. The, the sentimental part of it sneaks up on you at the end. Yeah. And, I, and oh, it's, that's... The, I have the same thing with the film Tootsie. Have you seen Tootsie? Oh, it's a beautiful film as well. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. has my favourite scene, comedy scene in the world, which is him, where his agent's saying to him, you, you, you haven't got the job. And he just keeps saying, you know, oh, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. I could. Yeah, and then yeah, at the yeah. end, they said, and he says to him, look, they want, they want somebody taller. They want somebody. And then they say to him, look, they want somebody else. And he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, yeah, he yeah. doesn't give up. And do you know the thing about Groundhog Day that I love is the fact that, as you say, you really shouldn't be rooting for him because all he's interested mm-hmm. in is rooting. Yeah. That's what he's aiming at. Can I get this girl into bed? And once he stops doing that, then it works. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. I don't know if you've ever noticed there's a moment where that happens and something in the film shows you that time has moved on. And I've only noticed it because, like you, I've watched it many, many times. Mm. When he does that thing, when she says, are you coming in? And he he thinks about it and says, Mm. no, no, this has been the most perfect day. Yes. And he doesn't go in with her. A snowflake falls on her shoulder. And he looks at it and brushes it off. And he looks slightly puzzled by it. And clearly that's never happened before. Oh, wow. I think that's the moment that time comes back to being normal. Ah. And that's such a subtle... Wow, I've never... I've seen the film so many times, I've never, ever noticed that. Wow. I mean, that's it's so brave, isn't it, to do that? To not take you, you know, not to have something obvious happen and for you to go, oh... 
oh, hang on a minute, mm. this is unusual. No, he doesn't react to it. Hardly anything happens. It's a fantastic thing. Yeah. And I love the, also the idea that you sort of, in a way, mentioned earlier that we don't know how long this has been going on. It could be hundreds of years. In fact, it probably is. Mm. If you're going to become mm. you know, virtually a concert pianist, having gone yeah. from nothing by doing a lesson a day, yeah. it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, and I love the fact as well that it means so many different things to so many different people because mm. no part of the, like the, that snowflake thing is the perfect example. No part of the film forces itself on you as this is what this is about. This is what's definitely happened. It's so, uh, you know, I love the fact that they never explain why the day is repeating. No. And apparently they, they got so many letters and emails from people from all different religions being like, Thank you so much for, for this film that is clearly about X, Y, Z. And then the, the, the director and the producer were like, yeah, whatever. That's, if that's what it's about to you, great. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> but yeah, oh, I just think it's, a, I think it's such a subtle, wonderful, hilarious, touching film. Yeah. I mean, all those things in it indicate so much more. Yeah. You get clips of his days, the myriad numbers of days that there are. You get tiny little clippets of, of each moment each day so you'll see that mm. they and some of them were repeated so the, the boy falling out of the tree this is something he does every day he has so mm. many things that he does every single day because he knows every movement of everybody in the town yeah it's mind-blowing i think i think it's a fantastic film yeah oh, i'm so glad you chose it there we are you're yeah. right and it is something that i think people should watch i love it love it love it love it fantastic okay that's number two right we'll move on to number three Okay, before we hear the rest of the things Finley would want in his time capsule, we have to take a short break for some advertising. I hope you enjoy it. Do bear with us as this is the way podcasts make money. Back soon. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the ads, and indeed, I hope there were some ads. However, if you would rather hear this podcast without interruptions, then you can get it ad-free if you subscribe to Acast Plus. Details in the description of this episode. You also get a bonus episode every week, all about the podcast. Well, mostly. Still, let's get back to Finlay and see what else he's going to choose. Uh, number three for me is I can have memories, can't I? Yeah. Yeah. So it would be a memory of a play that I put on at my school uh, as part of like a school competition. Mm. And it was the first time that I'd written something that was like a, a sort of parody. Well, not the first time because I'd done, I'd done stuff when I was, I used to mess around on Garage Band as a little kid in an iMovie mm. when I was a kid. And I used to sort of make sort of parody stuff then. But I did, uh, I wrote this this play called... Barry Potter and the EPQ of Fire, <laughs> which was a parody of Harry Potter set at my school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just took tropes from Harry Potter and, t- and took the, the characters from my school and I put this on as like a school drama competition. And it was, it just like the, the, the school theatre was just like, I had them roaring and I was so happy. <laughs> I bet. And I, I, a lot of people at school, I think, I, I mean, I never really found out, but I, I think they didn't really like me that much. So, because uh, I was a little shit as a kid. So <laughs> I I think that after I put on that play, weirdly, I won the respect of a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's a it's a, a good memory. I say a memory rather than a recording because it's probably not as good as I remember it. Mm. But um, yeah, I just remember feeling like, I just remember feeling really, really proud of myself. And it's obviously something I've gone to do things in, in a similar vein yeah. uh, in, in my career. Yes, you suddenly see the possibility of these things yeah. and also the power of it. It's amazing, isn't it, when you do something that you think people might like, you think it's funny, and then everybody agrees with you. Exactly. And I felt so connected to everyone, yeah. Yeah, that thing of you gaining their respect. It, it may be that actually that's when they noticed you. I think we walk through life thinking that everybody around us is either hating us or ought to love us, but they don't, or, or they don't mm. care about us. But in fact, don't care about us is probably the truth. They don't really, you don't impinge on their thoughts at all. That's probably right. That's probably completely right, yeah. Mm. I think I think people thought I was a bit of a, a, a snob <laughs> at my school, and that, and that's why people didn't like me. People thought I was quite posh at my school. I went to school in 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 Walthamstow, right? And it was like, uh, and I was from I was from uh, Islington, and a lot of people was uh, the, the kind the kind of families that were at the school. It was a private school, but it was like uh, it was quite new money. Yeah, it was a lot of like uh, you know, sort of kids of like people who were like from either East London or. Or like like South London, but they'd sort of done well and they'd moved up to Essex mm-hmm. or, or you know somewhere like that, and uh, that yeah they sort of saw me as like they saw what well, they saw me as like a, a, a snob because I didn't really I didn't really fit in. Um, <laughs> Do you think you were a snob? I don't think I was. Yeah, but you just talk posh. No, I think I I think I was because I because the th- I think the way that I responded to not fitting in was to go. Oh, it's fine. Well, then I'm. Well, then I'm above this. Mm-hmm. I don't need you, people. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I sort of isolated myself. Yeah. And if anyone tried to reach out to me, I was a bit like, oh, I'm not going to try because 
I don't want to fail kind of thing. So I, yeah, I can compl- I sort of isolate myself at school for the first like five years. I like the way that you play that into your act now. The fact that you play that sort of, you know, just every now and again, you do it where you just sort of, yeah, there's a moment in one of those videos where you, you're talking and somebody says, you know, what, what, what would you call your haircut? And you say, Tory. Yeah, it's a very good line. But it, it's it sort Thank of you. indicates the same. That sort of um, this is the way I see myself. Yeah. Or in fact, this is the way I think you see me more than that. Exactly. Yeah. That's that. It's that. Yeah. It's, and I think, I, I, yeah, I've been doing, I, I've sort of unconsciously been doing that my whole life because people have always, that's how I've been able to make people laugh is, mm. is, is, is to make fun of myself for being the thing that they think that they see me as. So, yeah, I play into that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it works well. It's a funny character. Yeah, 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 exactly. So uh, how many nights did you do this play for? We did it once. It was, mm. So the, the drama, the competition was called House Drama and it was, uh, most people did, I think everyone else did a play that was already, had already been written. Right. But after I did this, I was like, every year I'm going to write a new one. Mm. So I did, so we did, I wrote one every, every year. And yeah, that was, a, that was a good comedy writing exercise. Um, we had everyone, we had all, all of the, because there's no, there's no, there was no like good vehicle for making fun of the things at our school in like, a, and it's such, it's such, it's such a good target for satire, <laughs> isn't it? A school, everyone takes themselves so seriously. And <laughs> my school was quite new age. So there were all these kind of the new initiatives and stuff that were yeah. supposed to make you feel more creative and enriched and all of this stuff. So we had, we, I mean, my school had mindfulness lessons. Right. So it was like, if there's, if you're not making fun of that, in a, <laughs> you know, in a widespread way, like we had the librarian of the school, he was a Scottish man and I, I played him and, and, and I made him out to be addicted to heroin. It's okay. My dad's Scottish. So it's funny, you know, it's, that's not me punching down. No. Uh, but and then, and then, <laughs> and then we had the kind of very gregarious, Spanish man that re- that ran the secure area. We had him and all of his catchphrases talks about Juventus and stuff. Um, <laughs> is that Italian Juventus? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know football, but we had yeah. We uh, what, what else? We had uh, the EPQ was like this new age sort of A level thing, and we had I think we had all the we had all the Slytherins as roadmen, you know, like uh, <laughs> fake gangster kind of kids, and um, oh, it was just. The final moment of the play was the head of drama at our school, who was just a tyrant. She comes out at the end of... uh, When you think the play's over, she comes out at the end of the play to complain about it Mm. and to complain about how offensive it is and how how many shots it's taken at different people. And she's holding a leash. And then halfway through, as she's doing her thing, she goes, she goes, come here, come here. And then she says the name of one of the drama teachers at our school who we thought that she was quite domineering over. <laughs> so she pulls out one of the drama teachers on a leash and he's like quivering and, and, and all of this stuff. Wow. And, um, the freedom that you have in those situations, you could never do that any other time. Suddenly you say, yeah. oh, what I'm doing here is a piece of art. And they go, yeah. okay, you can sort of do what you like. And you go, yes. Exactly, exactly that, yeah. And and I remember when I left my school, I, the, the headmaster, he writes you all like a little personal note. Mm. And I think he wrote in mind something like, keep seeking out inauthenticity wherever you find it and, and, and bringing it down. Brilliant. And I felt like, I felt like, oh, I felt like, oh, he actually understood who I was. Yeah. And in a way, sees the possibility of your future. 
Which is great. Yeah, which is something maybe I didn't even see at the time. No, no. Because my plan, my plan was always just to move to China and do comedy <laughs> in Chinese. <laughs> and go to nightclubs, yeah, yeah I know. Exactly, yeah. pretty much, yeah. pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but what a lovely thing to write, because so many people in that position could easily have written stop messing about exactly Ex- yes yeah, yeah i was very lucky i loved i loved the school that i went to i was very lucky fantastic yeah. okay we'll put that play in then that's number three okay so you've got two things left now you've got the good thing or the bad yeah. thing. so you can go either way okay i'm uh so I, I can do either one i can say good thing or bad you can do the bad one uh, and then you can do the good one so you can finish on a good one as it were yeah let's do that yeah okay what's the bad thing you want to put in the bad thing i want to put in and I feel like people will have done this one, but it's weed, unfortunately. <laughs> right. Uh, have people done that one before? No. No. Really? Really, I know, yeah. Maybe I talked well, to then, too many people who are just not honest enough about it. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. But, yeah, I, I, uh, I, regr- I lost a lot of brain cells and a lot of time to weed. So, yeah, I lived in a flat with four, no, three... See, I can't even bloody remember with <laughs> with three guys um, who were DJs, techno DJs, and uh, we had a big set of decks in the middle of this kitchen in this like council flat in East London, mm. and um, we just smoked weed all day, every day, and and uh, and I was. Uh, People go to you. Most people go to uni, and it's like a time that they become more social and they go out. Mm-hmm. and And I did completely the opposite. I became very withdrawn, and I just um, uh, I didn't even learn how to DJ. That's how lazy it made me. <laughs> there was a DJ decks in my kitchen, surrounded by DJs. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I was the weird fourth guy who didn't even DJ. Like they were people would be like. Because the <laughs> the radio station the radio station was called VIP Mix and people people knew about it people knew about our flat as like a bit of a party flat mm. so they would be like you know there's this there's like VIP Mix there's this other guy that just lives there that doesn't <laughs> doesn't just, even make music just stands and looks <laughs> yeah exactly he doesn't even move he doesn't even dance yeah oh god it was a, it was a grim and it was so messy. We ha- and we had because we were hipsters, we had plants like house plants everywhere. So one of one person even slept in a plant because there was this huge plant over his bed, um, and there was, there was a plant in the shower. So we just had soil in our shower. Uh. Oh, it was it was a grim it was a grim grim time, and I just lost. I mean, I did. I did start doing open mics around that time, and a lot of my early jokes I did write when I was a bit um, out of it, mm-hmm. but. Um, that was maybe the only thing that came from it, but I wish I'd just been social and gone out and met people and yeah, yeah, yeah it wasn't I, I regret that yeah mm. I've had friends I, it's never been a problem for me, strangely weed alcohol, mm. yeah, I can say that uh, I've had a lifelong fight with alcohol, really, I like it a lot, yeah, but um I think I was lucky that in in fact, I was introduced to weed after having drunk seven pints of Guinness. And somebody said, you know, do you want to join? And I'd smoked it and it made me vomit like mad. Yeah. And I just never went near it again. Yeah. Aversion therapy. I think the first time I smoked weed, it was a similar experience. But then I I must have gone back for some reason, for whatever <laughs> reason, and, and, and tried it again. Yeah. So, yeah. So many times I remember... Because it's because the whole experience was not very nice. You start as a teenager and the whole thing is you're hiding it from your parents. Mm-hmm. 
And then the first thing it does is make you paranoid. <laughs> so you, you come back inside your house and all you're thinking is, God, I hope my parents don't find out. God, I'm, I'm, and you, and you go out, obviously it's freezing cold when you go out as well. Yeah. So most of my memories of smoking weed is just like being cold and panicking. <laughs> um, so I don't know why I kept doing it, but, um, and it, yeah, at one point I was doing it like in the attic and all of this stuff. And my mum would always come in my room and be like, and even even when there wasn't any, my mum she could smell carbon monoxide. Like she's she's <laughs> got the most sensitive nose. Yeah. But she, yeah, she come in my room. She'd be like, I can smell it when there wasn't even any weed <laughs> in my room. Well, you see, the problem is that so many people I know have uh, smoked weed to begin with. They sort of go, it's great, you know, what it loosens me up and it makes me feel, and I do interesting things. I have interesting thoughts, mm. uh, but very quickly you just stop having any thoughts don't you? you yeah. And uh, I've seen people who were really inventive and creative. It just takes the edge off them. Mm, absolutely. It makes you, it makes you, yeah. I mean, for some people, some people, obviously it, it works and mm -hmm. it's great. And may, they'll say, oh, you was, you're smoking the wrong bud. You know, you need to you get my guy or whatever. But yeah, I mean, it, yeah, that's, 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 yeah, I agree. It just yeah. makes you, it makes you lazy and you lose your, yeah, originality. Yeah, yeah, completely. I think you lose a sense of being able to edit yourself as well, actually. You know, I mean, I did, mm. I did a television show long, long time ago with uh, Lowell Cream and Kevin Godley, who were both from 10ZC. Do you know the band 10ZC from way oh, back? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not in love and all that sort of stuff. They wrote... I used to listen to them when I smoked weed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were right to, because they yeah. loved it. I did a television show which they directed, and it was supposed to be an hour-long special for HBO, and they had amazing people in it, incredible cast from all over the, from the pop industry, all came into the scene. And me and some other young actors were playing sort of people in this nightclub. For this 24-hour thing, they recorded 47 hours of material mm. and then spent months trying to edit it down to an hour. And eventually it was never released. It never went out. It must have cost a fortune. Mm. But they were the whole time just saying, uh, we're just going to have a little discussion. And they'd go out mm. and about two hours later they'd come back looking really calm and cool and relaxed. And you go, you've just been outside smoking dope. Yeah. Uh, oh, dear. Yeah. But I, there's the other side of it, though. I will put it in for you. But, I, yeah. but I'm afraid my wife once brought home a plant uh, when she was working at Sussex University. She put one in the garden, and it grew and grew mm. and grew. It was a fantastic. All our neighbours knew exactly what it was. And uh, she then harvested it and put it in a plastic bag. And just every now and again, she would have a joint. And then years later, we were having Sunday lunch, and she said, do you know what? I think I've got some dope stuck in a, in a plastic bag. And she went to the kitchen, and she rustled through the drawers. And at the back, she pulled out this plastic bag with all these dried leaves in them. Yeah. And they sat there and smoked them and went, yeah, hmm. And eventually they said, is it working for you? And the other person who was smoking, I didn't smoke it, but we said, no, not, yeah. not really working. And she said, look, she didn't, mm, yeah, I think it might be oregano. And it was. Uh, so where did she get it from? Uh, she got it from uh, somebody else who was studying there, who's now a professor, I think. <laughs> but <laughs> he, he grew these plants. Everybody at university <laughs> smokes a bit, don't they? Yeah, yeah, of course. That's the thing, it's the perfect drug for university. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't even blame people who do it at uni, like, God, that is, that is funny, though, oregano. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, as a student, you sort of go, well, I wish I had gone out and everything. But sitting at home, weed is cheap, isn't it? 
and you can sit at home, smoke that, and that's your evening done. Yes. You go to the pub, it's going to cost you 40 quid. Yeah, mm. well, that, yeah, it's true. That's your evening done is such a good point. That it, it like it just deletes the rest of the day. Yeah. Sometimes that's what you want at uni. You just want to wake up and and start again. I yeah, I, yeah. That's the thing. And then and then the next day you're sort of okay if you have a coffee or whatever. You can sort of power through the fog. Mm. So the hangover is not as bad. If there is anyone listening to this who wants to stop doing it, the way that I found I because I I was in such a pattern of it. Mm. Uh, and then when I t- I took a break because I moved. I did my year abroad. And I went to France. I stopped when I was in when I was in France because I didn't know anyone who sort of sold it. Mm. And then when I sm- finally smoked again, it hit me so much harder because yes. it hadn't been in my system for so long that I was like that. I just wasn't. I didn't like it at all. Mm. And so that was that was what did it for me. But taking the time off actually meant that it yeah my body reacted really badly to it the next time because once yeah it once you do it over and over again like every day then it just, your body becomes used to it. Yeah, and, uh, it's why people move to skunk yeah. and things like that, because it's it's so much more powerful, and they need that extra hit. Exactly. Uh, well. Yeah, exactly. Ah, okay, <laughs> let's put it in there, and well done yeah. for, for moving out of it and getting on with life. Yeah, now it's ketamine, so we'll, we'll try and get over that. Ketamine, cocaine, that's it. <laughs> just <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All the fun drugs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The ones, yeah, these are those ones you can get stuff done on. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so we've got one last thing to put in, Finley. Yes, this is going to be uh, quite a simple one. Um, Tabasco sauce. Right. Yes. Mm. I know this isn't off menu. <laughs> I just wanted to, uh, I've, I've, I think I've had Tabasco sauce. So- every meal that I've had at home since I was a kid... I've put Tabasco. I've put Tabasco sauce on it. Right. I, I have breakfast. I have Tabasco on, on my toast. No. In the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have every morning. I have uh, I have oxtail soup and toast, and I just fill the soup with Tabasco and sometimes uh, Frank's Red Hot as well. I kind of mix the two, <laughs> and then I put the dip the toast in, and yeah. Oh, my mouth. Okay, so my mouth is actually watering. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where I can't carry on talking about this. When I talk about Tabasco, my like I just I start salivating. Um, it's become a real comfort food mm-hmm. for me. And um, Tabasco's sorry, I'm going to keep having to <laughs> to swallow um, Tabasco sauce and and white rice is the perfect food. It, it, it doesn't get better than that mm-hmm. for me. I don't even really know if I'm if this is appropriate for a time capsule because i don't know if this is a personal enough thing is this is this fine can i, I put think tabasco it is. sauce in? i don't think it's a general problem that people have uh, that they have to yeah. put tabasco sauce on everything yeah i don't think many people have it for breakfast so i think this is fairly unique for you well it's, inter- it's interesting because you do you do meet a lot i do meet a lot of people who say the same thing like they have to have tabasco on everything right i like it i'm gonna try it you know i mean i like tabasco sauce oh have it on toast okay try, honestly have it on your toast you might you might hate it <laughs> but yeah bit buttered buttered toast mm. with tabasco on oh <laughs> it's so good it's it's so damn good it's very good for you is it chilies are very good for you all the cultures that have chili in their diet regularly have far fewer heart problems Really? Okay, I didn't know that. Okay, because I, oh wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that. That was reassuring because I would worry because there's salt. There's a lot of salt in Tabasco, and I use about half a bottle. Wow. For every meal, 
<laughs> so I was I was really worried about my heart, but I th- hopefully that will be counteracted by the by the chili. Yes. <laughs> oh dear. No, I think it'll yeah. be fine. Absolutely. I'm going to put a huge bottle in there. Endless supply. Oh, good. Wonderful. Good, good, good. Well, um, on that note, I shall be off to make some toast. Yeah. Before I go and have lunch and get pissed. Thank you. Good. Don't smoke after you uh, get drunk. (laughs) Uh, No, I certainly won't. Thank you very much. Uh, Finney, I look forward to seeing your meteoric rise through the career. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. This has been lovely. Brilliant. Good. Thank you for doing it. It's lovely to meet you. Lovely to meet you too. You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my lovely guest, Finley Christie. You can find out all about him and watch many clips of him online anytime. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed hearing me pretending that I knew anything about weed. Say weed to me, and I immediately think of Bill and Ben. Yeah, I know. Yeah, must be all the crack cocaine I take. Do subscribe to this podcast, as it will save you the bother of having to search it out, as you will be sent all new episodes as they are released. You don't have to listen to them, but at least you'll know they're there. And it really helps people to discover my time capsule and to take the risk of listening to it if it has a high rating or some nice reviews. So if you have the time to do that for us, then, like a well-stoked fire, we'd be most grateful terrible joke. The theme tune that's playing along to my inane chatter was written by Pass the Peas Music. And guess what? It's available without me chatting over it if you search my time capsule, the theme tune, on Spotify. Do have a listen. Me and my producer, John, are both on social media. I'm mostly on Twitter, as I refuse to accept that it can't be what it was. In fact, for me, it still is lots of nice people saying interesting things in a fairly pleasant way most of the time. Perhaps I haven't updated it recently. But I think that Actually, it's what you make it. So do join me there and let's make it nice again. My time capsule is also there, so do follow us both. And we're also on Instagram, Facebook and threads when we get the spare time. This cast-off production was released through Acast, bless them, and was skillfully produced by the aforementioned John, who has the same surnames as me, incidentally, because he's my son. See you soon. Try to watch what you eat, or you might miss your mouth. Bob Monkhouse used to say that his favourite food was those little chocolate biscuits shaped like animals. Yeah, I like those too. I bought a tin of them recently and it said, do not consume if seal is broken. Well, wouldn't you just know it? And the lion. Bye. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 